Welcome to episode three of the Best Server Off podcast. I'm your host, Shane. Now, we have an incredibly special guest today as we explore mental health and well-being in the music industry. Now, our guest's been making music since he was a kid. Um, he's been in several incredible bands. The most celebrated for me being Young Rebel Set, which I'm sure will always be a feature in most of the Northeast music collections without a shadow of a doubt. He's created and been involved in making many, what I believe are timeless songs, uh, and many of them I hold uh, close to my heart because they remind me of, 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 of times in my life, and that is what real music is all about, and that's why I'm so excited about this. So he's toured with the UK, Germany, Australia, and featured in festivals around the world. He's supported and been on the same lineup as some of the world's most iconic bands. But he is an artist in his own right, and the release of his debut solo single, We Are One, is being released Friday the 9th of October, which is when you will also listen to this podcast. And we're here today to talk about mental health in the music industry. So we're going to talk about the joy, the pain, the reality, and the art. And this is his story, so please welcome... Mark William Evans. Hello, Shane. Thank you for having me. How's it going, mate? I'm very well, thanks, man. How are you doing? Absolute pleasure to uh, to have you here. Now, I want you, if you can, to quickly give the listeners a a quick run through of your career, the bands you've been in, um, and uh, yeah, just a little um, a little kind just a little bit of an insight. Exactly. A bit of an insight. Okay, man. Well, hello, everyone uh, out there in podcast land. So I'm Mark William Evans, um, probably best known, if I can say that, from being in, like Shane said, uh, a band called Young Rebel Set, uh, which I was in from around about 2007 to about 2015. Um, so kind of started out in bands when I was about 18, 19 years old. Um my, the first band that I ever formed was a band called the Lurios and uh, that was formed with my very good friend Andy Palmley and our brothers Chris Palmley and Luke Evans um, that band the Lurios uh, ended up getting a record deal in Japan and uh, we put a, an album out in Japan but the Lurios really formed the basis for Young Rebel Set I think um, so we joined forces with a local singer-songwriter Matty Chip Chase and we formed Young Rebel Set and the rest really is history we we formed Young Rebels set in about 2007 and we were going until about 2015. And as you mentioned, uh, over that time, uh, we signed a couple of record deals and we, we toured all over the world and put a few albums out. And it was the best time of my life, really. Um, but like like we, we'll get into, uh, with the highs, there were certainly some lows and... Uh, and really, my music career ended in 2015 when I left the band until until now, really. So um, uh, I feel like five years out, out is long enough, and it's now time to uh, make a bit of a comeback, I guess. Absolutely ready to get back into it. Definitely, man. Uh, I can't wait to uh, hear all the music, and I'm excited to uh, to play play the uh, new single to the listeners at the end now cool. 
said, you know, this this podcast is about mental health and well-being. And what I wanted to do is explore that um, within how that looks in, in, in the music industry. So I guess mm-hmm. my first question would be is what does mental health support look like in the in the music industry and is it still that really taboo subject and you know i think i guess i might be wrong but as i see it i guess obviously when you sign to record labels i guess in 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 from an outside perspective you're almost seen as an employee so to me, it's like, you know, where does any support come from? You explain it because this, this you know. The, uh... Well, I'll, I'll explain it. I, I can only explain things from my experience. So I'll, I'll be as very open and candid as I can regarding my own experience. Now, what I've experienced won't be what other people have experienced. Everyone has their own their, their own experiences. I'm going to stop using that word. Um, however, so... Uh, what does mental health support look like in the music industry? Well, first of all, um, my experiences with the music industry ended in 2015. And um, certainly over the last five years, the stigma around mental health has changed somewhat, not just in the music industry, but, you know, on a day-to-day basis in everyone's everyday life. I think um, there are certain online campaigns that, uh, promote the uh, the openness. It's very much in the media now, isn't it? Over the last uh, few years, um... definitely. Um, I think certainly. So since I've left the music industry, or since I left doing music full time, um, I think um, the stigma around mental health has kind of eroded away. Um, when when we were in the band. Um, so we signed a record deal, and I think there were times where people within our band um, were probably going through difficult times um, for one reason or another. And I have to say, uh, honestly, I didn't see a lot of support in the, in the music industry. I didn't see a lot of support from the record company. Um, now, Cause... I don't think... yeah. It's quite you. I mean, you guys were traveling like you were doing a lot of work in Germany, weren't you? And obviously, I remember when you went uh, over to the US and, you know, you're gigging for what literally weeks on end. And and yeah. I'm guessing that the there's, there's a kind of um, culture with that where you kind of do drink a lot of alcohol and this, that and the other. So was there was there ever anyone kind of telling you guys how to try and live on the road or anything like no, that? We, we were very much, we were very much self-governing. Yeah. We were very much self-governing. I mean, in all honesty, we were all right, us lot, because we all looked out for each other and we all knew if, if someone was getting a little bit out of hand, we would like kind of say, look, we, you need to start reining it in a little bit. And fortunately, we had some pretty strong characters in the band that were that were quick to recognise if there was a problem. But in terms of support from record companies or anyone not within that the circle, not within our little bubble, very, very little, I think. Um, maybe a little bit from our manager, um, but ultimately we were quite self-governing, really, definitely, looking out for each other. 
yeah. first and foremost. And um, how- going back to your point, I mean, the touring, touring thing was, was tough. We, we, were, um, we were in a very unusual position where we weren't a big band and we weren't a small band. So we, uh, we didn't have a lot of money where we could kind of uh, you know, go and stay in plush hotels or uh, have lived the high life. But we were just kind of like trying to break. We just managed to be able to afford to like hire a what's called like a Tiger Tours van at the time. So we went up from driving around in a beat up old Ford Transit van, uh, and we managed to make the the next step up to driving around in a slightly better van. Uh, and I must admit, when you start seeing the luxuries, it really makes things a lot easier. You know the comforts of of travelling uh, were really beneficial, and you can see why bands strive to get to a better level because we think that a lot of the pressure and a lot of the uh, difficulties with travelling are removed once you get once you can afford, uh, you know, to do it on a on a bigger budget. Do you do you um? What was the kind of lifestyle um, at first, as opposed to, does you know when you kind of move that to, up to that next stage you're heading to as a band where you're you're starting to get these luxuries? Does it, does it? Did you find yourself? I mean, looking back now, did you find yourself as you kind of got better known and and as you were getting more luxuries that you were getting? Did you ever get carried away with it when it came to lifestyle? How was that? Kind of, how did that look? I think so. I think so. I think um, I think you you got to remember you're doing this in like your, your mid to late twenties. So when you start to get uh, once you start getting a few of those luxuries, you, you it does kind of run away with you a little bit, and you do start thinking, well, I've made it. I remember I do distinctly remember walking down Sunset Boulevard at about half three in the morning with a pair of sunglasses on and a leather jacket, thinking I've made it. And I thought, this is what it's about, walking down Sunset Boulevard, sunglasses on, half three in the morning. And you just get a little bit carried away. You just kind of, um, you forget about what you're doing it for, really. And it becomes, uh, I I certainly did. I I think when I left the band, I had a moment of realisation. I was like, actually, it should be about the music and not just about trying to be rock and roll. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, do you think, um, I mean, I'm guessing that you guys would be, you know, when you're in that, you're in clubs, you're in bars and stuff like that, when you're performing, it's almost hard not to get pulled into that uh, drinking kind of um, drug culture, I guess. Um, especially the drink culture, you know, you're getting, where what do you call it, where the, 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 the venue give you like four crates of lager, you're an artist... That will t- I think you've touched upon a really good point there because I think um, everything that surrounded us, uh, everything that surrounded the band, was 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 done in pubs. So every everything we'd done kind of took place within a pub. So when we signed our deal, it was in a pub. You know, um, it, when we would meet, we, we would meet in a pub, and everything kind of like 
kind of evolved or revolved around that lifestyle. And so much so that then alcohol becomes the unit of currency for musicians as well, because it almost, when you book a gig, it would get to the point where you forget about what fee you were getting. And it was about how many beers you were going to get on the rider. So you almost get kind of, you lose sight of what it is you're actually doing it for. Once again, it's all about you. You're trying to make sure that you have the best night possible and just get as pissed as possible. And you forget about actually we've got to play a good gig, get paid so we can uh, get to the next gig or get paid so we can start affording to go back in the studio and make some more music. You're very, living very much in the moment. Yes, yeah. Um, how um, how do you think that lifestyle, um, do you think that lifestyle affected um, your, your uh, when you look back, how did, how did that, um, you know, going on tour for, uh, I don't know how long and drinking every day, do you think when you look back, it did affect your 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 physical and, and mental health and your performance? 100%, definitely. We'll start with the performance. I mean, there was there's several gigs in particular that I remember where we just got absolutely leathered before a gig and the gigs were absolutely shit. As I mentioned before, thankfully, we were quite self-governing where we could go, we, we, need, to, we need to knock this on the head because it's, uh, it's not good for the music. It's not good for the band. We knew that it wasn't sustainable. Um, we in the end we made a decision, maybe maybe a couple of years into the band that, or maybe a few years into the band actually, um, whereby we limited how much limited ourselves uh, how much we drank before gigs, uh, which I think if it wasn't for that the band wouldn't have lasted long as long as it did to be quite frank, but. Um, so you did see big change once you actually put kind of boundaries in place. You yeah. saw big change. Yeah. See, that's a great point. It's part of, um, I think that's important for everyone, What whatever they do, um, yeah. is is boundaries is one of the first things you should ever think about. When Once you realise that you might be going spiralling or you're doing something that's not uh, not good for your health, I think, and even overworking, you know, we've got so many people overworking, which is exactly like you guys. It's constant, constant, constant. But uh, that's a great point to to bring up, actually, once you do realise and put them boundaries in place. Mm-hmm. about cutting? You don't have to cut everything out. It's about balance as well. Like you said, you didn't cut everything out because that's what no, no. You're, in a, you're in a certain atmosphere where, where that does happen. But the changes that can happen to you mentally and physically just by putting some boundaries in place is 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 phenomenal definitely I, I mean one of the one of the ways that i suffered the most i think was um was we could we'd come back after a tour we'd do maybe 30 days 40 days away and we would be drinking all every day and then you i would literally crash when i got home and i'd be i just wouldn't be myself for about a fortnight I, it would take me it would take me you know, two weeks to readjust back into normal life. I would just stay in bed a lot. I was a miserable bastard. Uh, wasn't a nice person to be around. Um, and I think, I hope, well, maybe it's part of growing up, but it's just not something I would do now. If, like if, if the opportunity arose again, um, I would definitely, well, moderate it. I mean, I don't drink at the moment anyway. Do you not, do you not think you'd do it in a... 
you know, now you're much older and uh, and wiser. Do you know, <laughs> given that opportunity where you can go on tour for 40 days, I think, do you not think you just do it, do it differently? Yeah, I mean, I, I would do it differently now, totally. I mean, for, for one, for one, I'm not drinking at the moment anyway, like, but I will, we'll, I'm sure we'll touch upon that later on. But the, art, the, the actual art when you're in... Um... When you're in that space, and this is good, going back to the to the um, boundaries as well, and to this conversation, this is good information for young bands starting out. Yeah. When they get carried away and and go mad, you know, we've already said, you know, the art and making music it does suffer, but they won't. Re- they won't realize that as it's happening because they're living in the moment. So it's yeah. A- of advice for new bands and stuff to actually have them boundaries from the start because you know it can get it can get quite hectic and sometimes in some cases I guess it can lose your you know if you if you're in that lifestyle and you don't realise then you know there's a chance you'll lose your deals you know you st- yeah yeah we we got we were there was one night in particular we were playing in Germany and uh, the record company from the UK flew over to see us and we were we were really 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 poor that gig really really drunk and um and afterwards we got an email off or probably wasn't an email back back then but um we got contacted by the record label saying like any more of that and you'll be dropped and that was a bit of a wake-up call for us really uh i think from that that was probably when we imposed our uh our two drink before gigs rule Yeah, yeah. That's uh, it's that's why it's good to talk about it, so people can uh, don't have to kind of make them mistakes. But it's so easy to get uh, to get lost in, you know. Yeah, um, definitely. I want to touch on something as well as is, is is that you've just said, which is um, which is quite important. I think it's when you come back after like working on tour and stuff, it and you get back to reality. It's like you said. Getting change is such a big thing. No, no matter what work you're in, if you have some type of massive change and it's not managed properly, you're going to a lot of the time go into anxiety, possibly depression, and all that sort of stuff. And after you've been living that life for a sustained amount of time, it's going to be, I, I imagine, like you just said, that's going to be like hellish on your was- on your mental health, your physical health. Yeah. And I think that's important to uh, for people to think about when it's it's maybe something that again labels I don't know what it's like these days, but labels should give possibly the artists that information to when you get back off tour, you know, giving them that help and support. I think is uh, is probably a good thing to do because I've never actually I've never thought of it like that before from from your perspective when you just said that because. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a big change for the brain, for the body. Massive. For, for everyone. Massive. Um, I mean, you go, you're going from, um, you're on tour, like, you're on tour every day, you're doing gigs, you're going from, like, you know, I'm not saying that we were the most popular band in the world, but we, you're going from people, you know, there's a bit of adulation on tour. There's, there's people who have been looking forward to seeing you. You're signing autographs. We were doing like you know signing albums and stuff in certain parts of Germany, and then um, to go and then 
you do your gigs every day and then you come back and then you've got to readjust into normal life and go back to, you know, some of us had jobs, go back to normal work. And just, it, it was just, and then not only was the adjustment difficult that way around, but the adjustment was difficult the other way around as well. So you'd be, say you've been working for a couple of months in, in your job and you've got like into a routine in what I would describe as normal life. Um, and then to go on tour, I, I used to kind of dread when a tour would come up because oh, really? I was think I was yeah I, w- I would I would and I still a little bit like when I've got a run of like looking for like the live side for me is becoming less and less appealing. I think it's because I've got to get into a frame of mind to to want to go and do live gigs, and I also know what I'm going to go through at the end of it. Right. Once I'm in, once I'm into it, I love it. So when I, when I would go on to it, I would, I would not look forward to it. I mean, I always remember people saying, you're always late coming to the, to, on tour. I was always late to the van. I was always like the last one there or they'd pull up outside my house and I'd be sat in the house thinking, I really, I don't want to go. I, I can't, I, um, just the thought of getting in the van and tra- driving around Europe for a month what, like what, dread. What about when you um? I hear a lot about kind of musicians um, and pe- a lot of people don't think this, but musicians get bad anxiety before they go on stage a lot of the time and end up drinking to stop the anxiety or, or taking drugs, and that's how many of them actually end up addicted. Have you ever yeah. have you ever experienced that or kind of? De- de- definitely, I mean. Um... You know, I think what I think for me, what would happen is you would start off at at the beginning of a tour, and because you're like a kid in a sweet shop when you when you first get like on in the first few dates of a of a tour, you would start off having a good drink and like kind of get into it, and then by like the third or fourth night, you've got mad like anxiety because you've been up two nights in a row, you've been absolutely leathered both nights, and then you think, God, I'm getting like a bit panicky about doing this next gig. So then you think, well, I'll have a few drinks to calm me down. And then once you've got to that point, there's no there's no going back. You, you're on the treadmill. You're just stuck on it then until you've just got to ride that out until you get until you get off the tour. Because once you stop, you just you just become a nervous wreck. And that's it's it, and that can be quite quite dangerous, really. Yeah, massively. I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not. If anyone's in that position, I'm not, you know, condoning that behaviour. I'm just saying, in my experience, that's what that's what we would do: is drink through it. Um, certainly wouldn't do that now, and certainly wouldn't recommend it at all. But yeah, in terms of that, like that, yeah. That's why this conversation, these parts of the conversation are good for people that do listen to it who are in that situation because, you know, just the sustaining that constantly. It's like one, you start like you said. So to the points from that is you, you get made, you'll end, you could end up getting major anxiety. Then you self-medicate again until you get to the end of tour. You come off tour, and then you act. You, you're in a whole other world. That fucking emotional kind of roller coaster of feelings can be you know damaging to to anyone really. oh, and then not not to not to mention like 
sometimes you'd go on stage and have an amazing, amazing gig, and then you're just on cloud nine, you're absolutely buzzing. But then there were obviously gigs where you do what you do, um, where it wouldn't go so well, and you know everyone would have a different opinion as to why that was. Maybe the sound was shit. Maybe the venue was shit. Maybe the audience was shit. Maybe Mr. X was too drunk. But everyone's looking to to point the finger at something because no one wants to turn around and just go. Actually, we were just collectively fucking shit tonight. You just want to admit, you just want to kind of blame it on something. But then with that comes a massive low because we've had a bad gig. So then it's like we need we need to make sure the one tomorrow isn't bad. So then you're just stressed out because if it is, then you know it's just like the the amount of emotions and the amount of turmoil that you're going through on a tour. It's uh, it's yeah, I wouldn't. It's difficult to uh, to sell it to anyone. Do you think a lot of um? Obviously, the music industry's got a massive bad rep for the for the for the for the drink and drugs culture, as we know, because you're put in that situation and it's hard not to be. But do you think um, do you think it's because artists have too much, almost too much free reign, even when they're they're gigging? You know, I said at the start about does, is there any support, but also like. When artists are being sent on gigs, maybe have a tour manager or, uh, and stuff like that, it's not like they're getting told what to do apart from get on stage. So it's almost like you're given this lifestyle. Because um, I, I can imagine I'd fall right into the track. I, I get a record deal. I, I get given this lifestyle. And actually, no one's telling me what to do. Everything you, yeah, everything you do as a musician is, is all intuitive. When it Nobody teaches you how to write songs. Nobody teaches you really how to record songs. Nobody teaches you how to sing. I mean, obviously, I know those you can get lessons, but we, we didn't. Everything was done intuitively. And, uh, you know, when, when we went on tour, nobody said, well, this is what you need to kind of do. This is what you need to avoid. This is what you need to do. We can't, it was just like, there's a van. See you in a month. And it was just like, we've got to find our way. It's a bit of a learning curve, um, but naturally, as you mentioned, drugs and alcohol uh, are on that kind of scene. You know, you are exposed to things. I mean, like I've mentioned before, thankfully, we, we were quite self-governing. And, uh, you know, even though, I, I, you know, that there were times that, that we, we may perhaps drank too much or got involved in things that we shouldn't have, uh, I don't think we, we ever went overboard, thankfully, uh, yeah. I think it's just, easy. It's, it's almost just too easy to fall in. It's like you mentioned, especially when you're in your 20s, you, you, yeah. it's almost like the, it doesn't matter now. Yeah, and there's nobody around you, there's nobody around you saying this isn't a good idea as well. That's what, like you go, what yeah, you go, to, you go to a venue and people are, people are doing it and uh, you go, you know, people, People you talk to are doing it. No one's saying, no, this isn't a good idea. So you Exactly. And that's what it was like. Um, I think um, working in kitchens at high level for, for, for so long, it's very similar. You're in work, then you get out of work, and no one's actually telling you what to do. And it's you're almost trying to be, you know, the rock and roll chef. Life's <laughs> yeah. And when you, and 
it's it's very very hard to say no but i think with the with mental health and well-being being in the media so much i think it can only be good for for music and for you know um industries like um hospitality where it's very much the kind of same mentality we work and destroy ourselves and our our bodies until we kind of grow out of it you know um and that's why i think probably muse the music industry as as far as i know and industries like hospitality are so far behind because it's almost like there's people who just let loose <laughs> do whatever whenever and it's uh I, mad i heard um i heard someone someone compare the music industry to the wild west once and and, it, and as soon as i heard it i thought yeah you're absolutely right it is like the Wild West. I don't. No one's got a handle on anything. I don't think, and no, no one's well-being is considered. Not as far as I could see. Certainly not when I was involved. Okay. Well, on that note, I'd <laughs> like to um, I'd like to 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 move on on that note of the the the, the well-being and mental health. And uh, you know, um, you mentioned. Um, Earlier, when we were talking about Young Rebel set, uh, Matthew Chipchase. Now, he was the lead singer of Young Rebel set, um, who unfortunately uh, took his own life in December the year before. Um, is it all right if we speak about that? Yeah, man, I'm happy to, I'm happy to talk, talk about it, yeah. I think I've never really spoke publicly about it, so... Um, to be honest, I'm glad that, I'm glad I'm talking about it with you than, than anybody else, to be honest, mate. <clears throat> but yeah, I'm happy to talk about it. Cool. Well, uh as 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 me and you know, you know, he he was one of the most and still is one of the most respected musicians to ever come out the North East. A hugely, hugely talented guy. Um now I'd like. Can you just touch on, you know, this the 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 story, I guess, and um, you know, for for, yeah, I think it's 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 hard to ask a question about it almost, but can you just touch on, almost what happened and and signs and how did it? Was it depression? Was it, what was? I I don't know is the true true honest answer, but I I mean I spent. So, I mean, back last year, um, Young Rebel Set had de decided to reform. And um, in the lead up, in the lead up to Matty's passing, we we were preparing to, um, to to get back together and do several gigs and go back on tour. Um, so, I'd up, leading up to it, I was spending a lot of time with Matty. Um, and he was coming around mine, I was going around his, we were having rehearsals, we were going to open mic nights together, we were going for pints together. The night it happened, um, we were together at a 40th birthday party, and the next day, we were meant to be rehearsing for a, for a show that we had coming up, and uh, I got a phone call, our Luke was the first one to find out, and our Luke rang me and told me the news, and honestly, that moment Luke told me part part of me died as well. Definitely. Uh, I've not been the same since. Um I think it was the like I, it's the day my innocence died, like 
And um, so, but going back to your question, um, I, and this is one of the things I've, I've really struggled dealing with or have had difficulty coming to terms with. I, I wish I, I wish I could have spotted something uh, because I just keep thinking I, I could have been I could have been a better friend or could have helped him more. Just give me a second, mate. Ah, oh, fucking hell. Take your time, Matt. Fucking hell. Sorry, mate. Oh, no, take your time, take your time. I think um, we can all... You know, we can all say, Mark, um, you know, we've. I wish I'd seen this or I wish I'd, I'd seen that, but... The truth of the matter is, um, most people who have got things going on in their head, they show no signs and there's nothing anyone can do. It's such, this is why, this is why we need to get stories like this out, you know, because, yeah. you know, there's, 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 there's so many, um, there's so many people that do end up in that situation where they feel they need to take their own lives, but no one ever notices, mate. Um, yeah. uh, people in that mind frame are, are so good at hiding it and, and feel like they are a burden on on life. And it, it's, it's a horrible, horrible kind of mindset to be in. And like you said, well, the, the, the truth is we'll never really know because there wasn't any signs. And I mean, if anyone was going to spot something, I'd like to think I'd like to think I, I would have done given me, me and Matty were roomies together on tour for the best part of ten years. We we shared a room together. Um and like all friendships we had our ups and downs together. And they you know we but we were always open and always honest with each other. You know, if if I didn't if I thought he was leaving the hotel room in a bit of a mess. Or if he thought I was being too tidy making my bed in the hotel room before we left, he would let me know. <laughs> um, that's that. That's the thing with the dynamic in 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 your young rebel set. You got two sets of brothers, and then Matty, but he was really more of a real brother, wasn't he? To... Oh, definitely, definitely, man. Yeah, definitely, man. You know, like it was. Like we were all friends first, friends first, and and our brothers first, and then musicians or like bandmates like secondary um but yeah um do you, missing do you, terribly do you, do you think that um do you think that lifestyle may have played a part in it and being doing what he did, did in terms of um you know the gigging he was a solo artist a lot of time billy the kid um and just do you think that the do you think that the continuous industry lifestyle might have had any effects on him? I know we don't want to speculate or anything and because we, we never will really know, but you know, when we lose someone, we often think what, what was, what was it? What could it have been? Um, and we'll never know, but do you think it was, um, do you think it, it, it was part of that lifestyle over the years or? I don't know. I mean, Whenever we were on tour, Matty always enjoyed himself on tour, and I think Matty got a lot of pleasure out of being on tour. I think Matty Chip Chase was born to be a singer and a songwriter, Absolutely. and 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 when he was doing it, 
I think he was like most at peace. I think I think maybe not doing it would have would have hurt him more than when he was doing it. Do you know what I mean? Because I think he lived for it. Was 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 Matty still gigging and uh, writing in the times the the time after Young Rebel set split? Yeah, so Matt, Matty's embarked on a bit of a solo a solo voyage uh, called Matt Wild. So he put a couple of songs out on his own, and I think he'd done a couple of little tours on his own. Right. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, some of the stuff's online. People can check it out. But. Um, yeah. How, uh, how did, if you don't mind me asking, how did um, how did you and the boys kind of um, how did you and the boys kind of pull together and and cope with 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 finding that out and and you know there was I guess because it was like I said it was there was kind of this there was such a buzz in the northeast about uh, that, that young rebel set getting back together and and gigging and then um it's it's such a peak and then such a such a drop uh, how did you how did you support each other during that 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 well, and still now yeah i mean I, i'm just grateful that i've got like a brother and best mates like like I have because we really did all pull together and I remember my house was a kind of a little bit of a meeting place in the immediate aftermath for a couple of weeks everyone would just come around here and just just I think we, we just hung out a lot and we just made lots of cups of tea and just sat around and told stories and cried and just tried to come to terms with what was what had happened and um and I I mean, I don't think we ever will fully accept it, but but I know that we all we've all got each other, so and we're all we're all very lucky. I mean, I you know I couldn't have asked for we we all can't ask for a better a better bunch of people. I mean, we've we've all grown up with each other since we were like five. I mean, how many bands got together and like we. Five year olds, and then when they got to like fifteen, when oh, we'll start a band, and then ended up like playing with the Foo Fighters at Hurricane Festival in in Germany. I mean, uh, from that point, you know what I mean? It just doesn't happen. <laughs> absolutely. Um, I mean, um, I mean, I want to say it's obviously. Uh, you know, rest in peace to Matty, and um, he's there's 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 no way T side will, will forget his music anytime fast. And if anyone wants to listen to Matty's incredible voice, go out, look up Young Rebel Set. Uh, you can look up on YouTube Billy the Kid, and what was his last project? Matt Wild. Matt Wild, and the people can yeah, on YouTube and stuff. Yeah, it's all on there. YouTube, Apple Music, iTunes, all the rest of it. Yeah, but yeah, I mean. Just to find, like, just to kind of close on that point, like, um, yeah, we, we all we all miss him terribly, and um, we we just send our love to to his family and his wife and his children, his parents and his brother and his brothers and his sister, and um, I think I speak on behalf of all of us if if they're watching this, like, if they ever need anything, that they can count on us anytime. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
do you feel like um one well, I want to kind of ask one more question that do you feel like um do you feel like you're at peace with questions you don't didn't have answered within yourself before during the grieving process in terms of kind of are you now are you in that place now where you've you've accepted uh, you've been able to accept what's happened and and kind of more more celebrate what those good times and kind of you know I'm get to a place where right let's we can move forward now and and make him proud I guess in a way or what what how I think I'm getting there I think I'm I'm getting there I mean certainly from certainly from the, the beginning of December until around about uh, you know the end of June this year so like six or seven months my head like I, I wasn't I wasn't with it I was I was going to work and people were talking to me and and for about six months I was just relaying the events of the night over and over in my head, trying to like think about or analyse things he said to me or things I'd said to him or like his movements or his mannerisms, trying to try and find some some reason in, in it or some answers within it um, and I think we'll come on to the next point later around me stopping drinking for charity but it's since I since I really stopped drinking um, I've, I've I hate to use this phrase it's a bit of a cliche but I've seen the light a little bit and I've kind of like my my thoughts are less noisy and it's just, everything's just a little bit more calm and a little bit more accepting Exactly. That's 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 good, and yeah, we're gonna get on to that. That's what it's it's a good lead in in into this actually, because you know to kind of to get to now. Um, obviously, we've been through the start of the journey. We've been through Young Rebels, uh, and 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 uh, you know, most importantly, kind of talking about Matty. But um, now it's I want to touch on this. This new lifestyle that I love seeing, uh, <laughs> this that I love seeing on the uh, on Facebook, you... the internet of um, Brewdog, non-alcoholic Brewdog. We'll have to do a shout out to Brewdog. I want some, I want some free um, non-alcoholic beers. This, this stuff's pretty much got me through my uh, my abstinence, but we'll touch on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, there's. Um, I'm seeing you do some um, some great things. So, you know, I want to start by saying. Um, I mean, I think we've probably already get the idea, but what made you see the light and realise you had to stop all this and get clear headed and and start uh, start almost start fresh? I guess. I think I was getting, I was getting, I was just getting to the point every week where I was thinking, just get to Friday, you can go out and get absolutely pissed. Right. And I was just like, all week I was just thinking, just get to Friday, get to Friday and you can just go out and get pissed. And then I'll go out and get pissed Friday, Saturday and stay up like through the night. And um, and then all week I was just depressed all week, just thinking, get to Friday, get to Friday, because then you can just forget about it all. And then I think there was one night in particular, me and our Luke were having having a few drinks at about four o'clock in the morning and we and I think we both looked at each other and we were upset talk 
talking about Matty. And I think we just both, like, as far as I remember it, he'll probably have a different story, but we just went, this has got a fucking end. Like, we, this is just not, this isn't us. And what we're doing, we need to, we need to do something. So we kind of said, well, let's just stop drinking for a couple of weeks. And then we both quickly realised that what was the point in just stopping for a couple of weeks? We need, if we're going to do it, let's let's try and do something work like worthwhile to really abstain from it. So that's when the conversation started. Well, if we're going to do it for for a while, three months, why don't we try and tie it to something and raise some money? Now, I remember when Matty passed away, um, I'd actually went to visit his one of his relatives who, who will remain nameless. Um, but I went to visit one of his relatives um, and during the conversation with, with this person, um, they said that um, that they'd accessed or been getting help from a particular local charity that helps people who have been affected by suicide. And she mentioned that uh, it was called the Headlight Project. So I had a bit of a light bulb moment and I thought, well, we're going to do this no drinking uh why don't we do it for that at least then i feel like we could uh i feel like indirectly i can i can help the family in a kind of roundabout way um i guess so then did you think yeah. that helped you to stay on track as well by having a uh 100 yeah 100 and i think if i'd have said if i'd have said i'm just going to stop drinking for three months um i'd have probably Started after a week because I, I just thought I've had a week off. But when I first, when I started seeing donations being made, I was like, "Well, I can't let these people down. They 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 sponsored me not to drink for three months." And then we started getting other people saying, "Can we join you on it?" We we've actually got up to fourteen people now. So then it became, "Well, I can't go out and have a drink because, like, if." They're not having a drink, so I can't have a drink. And we're raising this money, and all these people are relying on us. And, and it all just started to snowball. We, we started, we're like the eye of the storm now. And it's like, we can't let anyone down. Nobody's having a drink. And like I said, um, shout out to Brewdog, but alcohol free beer from Brewdog, it's as good as a real thing. And uh, you, can, you can have four pints of it and drive home, which is always a bonus. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's a good point to make to people, um, actually, is when you are, when you're in a, a bad place, mentally, self-medicating, whatever that might be, suffering from depression, that if they can find the strength to, it's really motivational, actually, what you, what you guys did. And especially noticing at four o'clock in the morning, suddenly, like an epiphany, and, I, and together with your brother, it's it's great. And how it grew into something so so incredible. So I think, you know, if there's anyone out there that wants to, um, that needs to kind of get out of that, that kind of, that hole or negative thinking, then do something you can't get out of. <laughs> 100%. Get, you almost need, you almost, I, I likened it to like, I needed like an anchor. So... I needed something to just anchor myself to, so that would pull me along. And um, my advice to anybody who is trying to get sober or get 
off drink or get off drugs would be to obviously with seek medical you know make medical recommendations if you've got a, a serious drinking problem but if like me you were just drinking every weekend and starting to slide into a bit of a bad habit i would say you know try and do something worthwhile alongside it, like raising money for charity, because once you, people start donating, psychologically, you will not want to let people down. Well, the reality is, look, you've, you, you guys were in a bad place, um, everything that happened, and you were you know, looking forward to just getting to the weekend so you can kind of get pissed, forget about it. And um, it could have ended up a lot worse in reality. Obviously, we don't like to speculate on what could have been because it never happened. But if you hadn't have set that thought about setting that goal, you would have probably just carried on with the motions and it and it could have ended up, um, you know, a lot worse. So yeah. well done for doing that. It's uh, I love seeing it on, um, on Facebook and that all the time and how fit, you know, everyone's getting. Um, yeah. It's it's fantastic. I think a very good a very good thing to just to touch upon, Shane, if we may. Yeah. Um, since I've stopped drinking, uh, my mental health and um, just the way I feel is has improved enormously. I, I cannot I can't underestimate or I can't speak highly enough of of how well I feel. So initially, when I first started, not withdrawing, but coming to terms with I wasn't going to be drinking for a long period of time I was kind of like oh god and I felt really groggy and I felt kind of you know like oh god what's it going to be like you know I'm going to get to the weekend what the hell am I going to do and there was a lot of self-doubt and there was a lot of bit of self-loathing but I think once I got two or three weekends out the way and I was like oh actually on a weekend what I can do now is like I don't have to lay in bed all day. I can actually get up and write music. I can get up and do things with my wife. I can get up and go and see my family. And all of, all that time, I would miss out because I'd be up all night getting pissed and sit, lay in bed all day. Now it's like filled with like really like great things that are really fulfilling. And started jogging, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> and And I feel great. And I cannot... I can't speak highly enough of making that change, but all of the little things that I didn't expect to kind of bloom out of it that have. So it's, I would highly recommend it to anyone, even if even if you're just starting to think, oh, do you know what? I'm sick of drinking. Like, just have a couple of months off. See how you feel. And if you feel good, tell people. How do you think it's affected... Um... Your 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 songwriting and your play your 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 kind of creativity when it comes it came to to writing your new material and being completely off the drink and in this new kind of found like kind of um, awareness of self if you know what I mean how does how, how does that look? So I think I always think that song songwriting in its purest form is pure inspiration. So whether you're whether you're you're drinking or you're not, the moments of inspiration will come when they're ready to come, and you've just got to be ready. But what not 
what not drinking does is you're always ready because sometimes you can be really inspired when you're laid in bed all day and you'll think like you can have an idea for a song and you think I can't be asked to go and, go and put this down but when you feel energised and you're like I am now if an idea comes I, I'm aware with it now I'm like just I can just sit and just get it down I'm like really proactive love that yeah yeah Okay, so it's almost like you just you, you you're probably getting more done. It's, so it's not necessarily always going to have that creative flair, no matter what your lifestyle, because you 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 get that inspiration from different things happening around you. But like you said, you're just going and getting them done. So yeah, totally. Move on. So what used to probably take a certain amount of time to to do a song, you probably get two or three in that time of the same same quality, if 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 not better. Um, well, the way the way my the way my songwriting works is, if I have an idea, I'll sing something or play the guitar onto my onto my voice recorder, and then, um, and then when I get round to it, I will go and try and make like a full demo of it on my own to either show people or when I was in a band, I would like try and show the rest of the band to to get their input or their thoughts on it. But what's happening now is I'm just bypassing the phone bit. So I'm just going straight into like, my, I've got like a little studio set up and just going straight in and making a full demo. Whereas before I would have just made excuses not to start that process because I, I literally couldn't be asked. I'd rather be in bed all day waiting to go out and get pissed. Yeah. But now it's like, now it's like, well, like last weekend, um, I was up at half seven, like straight into the music room and demoing straight away at half seven. I, I had phones in, so Dawn didn't wake up. And I was like putting bass lines down, and I had, I had something like solid by about nine o'clock, and I was like, "Oh, this is great." It just so, it just shows how that that lifestyle shift can uh, can can change a lot, you know. Um, yeah. I think uh, I think from this conversation, I think a lot of uh, people, not just in the music industry, but in any industry, can relate to a lot of it. And I think there's been some really good tips on on kind of how people can can move forward you know with with certain um with certain situations is it the true what they say about music's um a healer if when you're uh, um do you think um being able to focus on your solo has helped you to uh as part of this um process to get clear or did did the music did the solo did the solo thing actually come where, where was the idea from it? What, at what point in time was this, what you are now about to put out as your first uh, solo? I know the song, we're going to talk about the song in a minute and how it came about, but you... The project itself. You as a solo artist, your career, when was the thought process of that started and and how well, uh, fruition? I think, the, like, so after five years out of the, out of playing music properly, like, because I've been in like done like covers bands and stuff like that to try and make a bit of money on the side, but I always think of like original music as doing it properly and writing stuff. Um, so after about so when Young Rebel set decided to reform, I was like all cards in. I was like all in to um to like get back into original music. So I'd already made the decision. So when what happened happened in December. There was a huge void, and I was like, "Well, 
I've kind of like mentally prepared myself to get back into original music, what, however that may look. And I know like, and a few ideas were floating around about whether we could do something as a band. But at the moment, everyone's in different places. And <clears throat> so I kind of thought, well, now might be a good opportunity to do something on my own. I, I've always kind of thought it might be a good idea. I mean, however, I, I would much rather be in a band and I do hope that me and the lads get back together to do something as a band at some point. In fact, I'm sure I'm sure it'll happen. I'd love it to happen. It would be my favourite thing. However, I just feel like I've got to get something out of my system a little bit at the moment. So it was probably like right around early on in the year when I was just kind of like, well, I need to do something original. And I think it was, I was thinking as well, like, I don't really want to have to ask people for opinions on stuff at the moment. Right. It sounds quite self. It sounds quite selfish, really. Bands and democracies ideas will come around, and you have to discuss, and it, and rightly so because everyone's everyone's got the same vested interest, and everyone's put the same amount, you know, on hold to be able to do it. So everyone should have an equal say. But I was just, I think the way I was feeling maybe six months ago, I was just like, I just need to. I just need to do something where I don't have to ask anyone's permission or anyone's opinion, so I can just kind of really push forward with it. And that's great because sometimes we sometimes we organically get that feeling. It just nat- comes from somewhere that says, I, "I need to do this for some reason." You might not know what the reason is, but I need to do it. And just if anyone is out there thinking that, just go and do whatever it is you're doing. Because um, I mean, from what I'm seeing. This uh, and what I've heard, which I'm, I'm for everyone to hear, is uh, is pretty fucking brilliant. Thanks, man. That means a lot. Cheers, bud. Really, really good. Um, yeah, we are one. Can you tell me the the story about it? Yeah. So, I mean, we are one is a song that's been around for quite quite a while, actually, and it was a song that was written between myself and Andy, Young Rebel set from the guitarist. Um, so I, when we were recording, or just about to record our second album, I think it was at the time, I can't remember, but Andy and his family have a, have a place in France. So Andy and I said, why don't we go away for a week and just write? And to be honest, it was the most productive writing session I think either of us have ever had. We went away for a week, and I think we, we wrote two a song a day each. So it was two songs a day for a week. So we ended up coming home with about 14 new songs. Really? And we are, yeah, man. And and t- I'll tell you what, like Lash, Lash of the Whip, which was on Crocodile, that was uh, that was one of them. We Are One was one of them. Um, and there was probably a few more that might eventually see the light of day. But, um, but the, so the bones of the song were, were, were written there. I mean, I, I, as I remember it, and I'm sure Andy will probably remember things differently, as is always the case. But as I remember, I had a song with the melody, and it had really, really poor lyrics. And I think, as far as I remember, Andy said, "I like it, but I've got some better lyrics for it." And he went into a bedroom and came out, and he just went, "There you go." And it was "We Are One," and I was just like. Right, so it, so it was like a kind of joint thing, and then 
that was like the first section of the song. So that's been floating around for a while. And then when it, 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 it never had a chorus, so it never, it never had a chorus. So, so fast forward to October last year, when we were just in the midst of getting the band back together, I get this, I get this video message off Matty in the middle of the night, right? So I'm, I actually wake up at seven o'clock in the morning, it's on my phone, and Matty's a little bit kind of worse for wear. But he's like, mate, um, remember that tune, We Are One? You need to finish that tune because it's an anthem for the people. And you need, to, you need to finish it and you need to put it out. So I was like, I, I can't have a sleep. I was like, yeah, he's pissed. What was he on about? Forgot about it. Then fast forward to the beginning of the year and I'm going through like pictures of me and Matty and I'm like getting emotional. I'm go- and I like swiping through like, our like, WhatsApp feed, you know, like WhatsApp messages and stuff. And I come across this video and I watch it. And it, and he's like, you need to finish We Are One, mate. Like, you need to get it, get it finished and put it out. So I had this, like, light bulb moment. And I was like, right, whatever I do, I need to uh, I need to get that song finished. So so then I went and I listened back to it. And I thought, it needs a chorus. So I wrote a chorus for it. And then... Um, and... And that's it, really. Then we started recording it, and it took a long time because it was when we were in like proper lockdown. Yeah. And because Matty had asked asked for it to be finished, I, I one of my main objectives was to get all members of Young Rebel set on it, and I and I managed to do it. So I've got Luke on drums, got Chris on bass, Andy on guitar, uh, Paddy's on there, Kumi's on there playing harmonica at the end. Wow. Um, the original. Oh, the full lot, everyone's on there. And not only that, people who'd like people who'd like stood in for members of the band when they couldn't make it. So like Benzie's playing on there, Andy Bensley, uh, Joe Devro, uh, Danny Allenson, who who was who joined Young Rebel set as a, um, our piano player. I remember. He's playing, yeah, so Danny's playing like so. Managed to get and then on top of that, got a really amazing girl. Put a, like put a, our little quiet like four piece girl quiet together. Um, my sister Sophie, Benzie's wife Emma, uh, Luke's girlfriend Naomi, and one of our friends Faith. And uh, so, along, myself and a guy called Johnny produced it, uh, Johnny Udale. And uh, we've done it all in lockdown over Zoom. Now I was recording stuff at home and he was listening in, and wow. then he would come round. It was just like, to be honest, it's a miracle it got finished because it took ages and and given like the restrictions and the limitations we had, I'm so pleased with how it turned out. Is it? Is it? Do you think it's that video of Matt, um, Matty, that um, that made you put so much effort into it and make it truly special to almost say, "There you go, mate. I've done it." Hundred percent. But that the whole the whole thing every day, every day when I wanted to, like. You know, do something on the song. He was going. You need to finish. We are one. He was just going round and round in my head, and that was the driving force. I mean, I was so obsessed with that video that on the video when he's talking, there was some church bells in the background ringing. So on the video that I've made for the song, I've sampled those church bells and put them in the video. Oh wow, love it. So I like re like load. I've just thought about every element of it. 
mad. Uh, <laughs> I think it's uh, I think it's going to do brilliant, mate. Uh, I feel very uh, blessed to have been able to hear it before uh, before before others. But um, I guess uh, yeah, I guess coming to an end. And I just uh, first of all, it's been um, it's been a great conversation, and it's been uh, it's 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 been quite emotional and uh i've definitely myself found um you know found myself a couple of times feeling like you know like you're gonna fucking well up because you're putting you trying to put myself into not into your shoes but just just that imagining it and and what what um what you must have um gone through and what i love the most is just that thought of when we were talking about Matty is, um, it actually made me quite emotional is that thought of you, Luke, the boys, just all coming together in, in, in the hardest times to, um, yeah. just to, to, to get each other through it and how you did it. And just, I imagine just all there sat drinking your tea and listening to kind of young rebel set and just talking. And it's, um, it's, it's to, to be honest, to be honest, it was a long time afterwards that we managed to actually listen listen back to any music. Yeah. It took me a long time to be able to listen to Matty's voice. It really did, but uh, I, I'm I'm glad to see I can now and I can appreciate it. I mean, I hear I, I hear things totally different to what I did. Yeah, must admit, I'm hearing it. It's a different it's a different experience listening to it now than it was before. And it's a voice that should always be listened to because he was an incredible bloody talent and um yeah, incredible. Um mate, thank you so much for doing this. Um, You're welcome, thank you for having me. I hope a lot of people listen to it that are in the industry because like I said before, I think um I think um one the story will touch people, but also there's just some really, really good advice in there and i think points you weren't actually trying to give advice but just by telling your story and how you switch things up and how things have changed in certain ways and and right at the start you know how you you, you let things and lifestyle you know kind of overtake you and getting a bit big-headed in terms of you know i've made it when you're on the boule- boulevard in america and stuff like that i just think people are relate and I, that's i've loved doing this with you because a lot of people will relate and 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 kind of um, take a lot from it. So, um, thank well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And appreciate that. You know, this is the first time you've kind of sat in public and actually talked about um, Matty. And I can't imagine how hard that was. And I feel uh, truly, truly blessed for you to have, have have allowed that conversation to happen, mate. So. Thank you so much. And I guess, is there anything about anything that you'd uh, like to finish on as a... I think... Uh, about anything. <laughs> I think just to any listeners, I mean, uh, so uh, We Are One is coming out on Friday. Um, hopefully I'll, I'll have an album or another single ready by around Christmas time. And we're going to be looking at putting an album out uh, maybe around April time next year, that'll be the aim. But as with as with all projects, uh, don't be surprised if it if it runs awry a little bit. But finally, uh, if anyone would like to sponsor me um, for what's called the Headlight Project for my No Drinking Challenge, um, 
you can do so. I'll send the link, Shane, if that's all right, so people can donate. Any, every little helps. I'll put it in when we share when we share it to everyone. Um, we'll we'll ha I'll have the link attached. So yeah, please anyone. Uh... And and if we could just do another shout out to Brewdog, if anyone from Brewdog's tagged in this, uh, thank you very much for getting me through this no no drinking. Well, I'm actually um, I'm actually the 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 owner, the boss of Brewdog. I'm a connection with him on LinkedIn, so I'm gonna I'm gonna tag him when I share good man. LinkedIn. <laughs> Spot on, sounds good, man. Class. Um, <laughs> Thank you very much, and we were we are gonna um, play you out with with we are one. So enjoy, Mark. Thank you. Keep 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 doing what you're doing. Uh, very inspirational, and uh, I'll see you soon, man. Thanks, man. Cheers for having us. Cheers, Matt. Stands above